I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Welcome to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson. And this is Joey Harrison. And we are here today with uh, our guest host, Nathan Neff, and our special guest, our very special guest, Larry Roberts, and our um, studio audience, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, for those of you who have never heard of Larry Roberts, I mean, I don't know who hasn't heard of Larry Roberts at this point, but he is... You're going to have to correct me when I okay. say all this wrong, but he's the uh, king of Miskatonic books um, who sponsor another podcast. They don't sponsor us. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> and, uh, and he's also the um, high priest of Azoth Press. Yes. Uh, publisher. I don't know what you call yourself. Yeah. And, um, and he's an alchemist. We're all alchemists. <laughs> but yes. Well, we're all Discordians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think before we get started, we should have some beer. Let's do it. What are you drinking there, Larry? I have got... Um, is that the Oakshire thing? It is Overcast Espresso Stout by Oakshire. I and want to sample uh, that. Yeah, it's 5.8 by volume, and uh, it's a stout, so I like stouts. Ooh. That sounded good too. A little sample. Sure. Um, I uh, I know Oakshire Brewing pretty well. That's good. I they're down in Eugene. Um, That's right. So yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, I was there when they got their grain tower delivered. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever Thank seen. Like, grain tower. Yeah. Uh, they bring it up on you know like a big old truck a giant truck delivers it and um and the truck has a big tilting bed and they tilt it up like this onto like a giant lazy susan so that they can turn it into the right spot nice. and when it's empty it's not i mean it's heavy you know because it's made out of metal but it's hollow so it's like fake heavy or medium heavy or whatever you want to call that and um and it was awkward. really yeah it, <laughs> that's what i always say when i don't want to yeah like the whole can, the whole can move it with one hand but it takes like 10 normal people but they yeah. had like just five guys each of them grabbed a leg and they Wow. Rotated it until it was in the right orientation and stuff. That's nice. good. I like this. Speaking of beer, I saw there's a beer garden across the street right now. It, yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's a it's like it's a, a mini uh, golf, a mini golf and beer garden. Oh. that is the uh, the uh, the deluxe. Mm. Well, this smells oh, wonderful. Most masons oh, yeah. call it the Maori. Smell the roasted hops. That's what it used to be the Maori. This is um, it's so roasty you know that. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it's it, it's uh, if, if, if anybody out there has never had this beer before, you. you it's delicious. Really it's really good. Do you want to try some, Curtis? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Ooh. We got more glassware. That's delightful. <laughs> it is. Um, stout. I know I had none, so, well, yeah, let me try some of that stout. Okay. Oh, yeah. Which one? The stout. Here. This is it, right? No, oh, no, no, it's not yours. <laughs> there you go. See how good of a pour I am? Yeah. Very professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, Larry, what do you what do you think about the beer? What flavors do you get out of it? Um, I I'm getting some a little bit of caramel in this. It tastes like to me. Yeah. And a little a little bit of almost a little peppery. It does have a um, like a sweetness, maybe like mm. molasses mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Do they put tobacco in this? It kind of would be. It kind of <laughs> would really go good with a with a cigar. A nice old Gevara beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the espresso coming. Oh yeah, because there's coffee. In yeah, sense. that's 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 it. You nailed it. <laughs> right, so Larry, you mm -hmm. um, as an alchemist yes. have been. Uh, how long have you been uh, alchemizing? 
Well, I would say that, well, you know, I really believe that alchemy is basically trying to transform something that is less than perfect into something that is closer to perfection. Uh huh. And if we are all practicing our craft in masonry, we've been we've been alchemists as long as we've been masons. Uh huh. So uh, I've been a mason since 2001. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been a while, about 16 years. Um, but what about, but so can you describe mm-hmm. some of your alchemical practice? Because I know you guys, you you and your wife work on it together and you do like yeah. uh, tinctures and yeah. medicines and... Well, this is all about, you know, transforming something that is mundane into something that is more perfect. And so mm-hmm. when we're talking about that, if you're trans transferring an herb that is basically just a plant into something that is medicinal, now uh-huh. you've created a an alchemical transformation. Mm-hmm. And if that thing can be absorbed then into yourself and create a better you at the same time, then to me that is the purpose of alchemy. Well, yeah, and one of the uh, alchemists were typically um, were typically also like healers mm-hmm. and and uh, chemists or iatro chemists, right? Like they Absolutely. basically alchemy invented mm-hmm. uh, chemical medicine. Yeah, and I think that would probably start out really with the main, you know, the father of that is probably Paracelsus, mm-hmm. who really got to, you know, the herb was, uh, and utilizing the four elements in those herbs was what, you know, created health to him or, or, or healed. Um, and but he was late, right? Like Paris, Paracelsus, uh, he learned he he studied under Trithemius, mm-hmm. like alongside Agrippa, right? Uh, and they were and he was pretty late, but like alchemy itself goes back oh, to yeah. what like the fourth century or third century or something. It's well, really old. I mean, some people would even say it goes back further than that too. You know, uh, alchemy comes from the word chem, which is the the, the black sands of the Nile. And that yeah. is basically the first stage of alchemy is basically taking off that black sand, that negredo phase. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and so uh, with the, the tincture-based stuff, mm-hmm. like, do you do the whole alchemical process on the plants? Like, I, I don't know a ton about okay. uh, practical alchemy or the stuff that you're mm-hmm. doing, but, um, but stuff that I've read in the past or, like, instructions that I've read in the past have included, you know, the whole sort of, like, reducing it down to ash mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. to the... Uh, is that al- it would be al- the salt, yeah, 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 um, and then uh, and then you do something else to process the ash to get to like the next stage, and or is it more of like a tincture, tincture like an herbalist would make, where you it, just it, soak it? It is more like a tincture that an herbalist would make at this point. What mm-hmm. you know, what are we start out by making the spirit itself? So mm-hmm. we start out by making uh, the Everclear, the moonshine, out of the herb. Out of well, you could either make it out of corn or uh-huh. out of barley. We okay. put in a little molasses, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's all like making beer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. I've, yeah, I've made both, but yeah, it's a, you're not distilling beer, but yeah, this, mm-hmm. you know, you're actually distilling, and that alchemical process helps you kind of, you know, taking something that is really of the earth and turning uh-huh. it into something that, you know, it's a spirit. That's uh-huh. what they. That's what they call it spirits. These, these, um, you know hard alcohols right the spirits so um and that's kind of what i really like about alchemy when it comes to things in the magical arena a lot of times things in uh the magical process are subtle Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of subtlety that goes on in alchemy you're watching it this transformation actually occur from something that was mundane into something that is more perfect and you can utilize as you're seeing that 
you're utilizing that to help perfect yourself. If I can see in this mundane thing, I can also transform the, the thing that is mundane in me to something more spiritual. So how does that process work? Is it, is it, do you set out with a specific goal of self-transformation as you're doing these tinctures, or is it, is it just something that develops as you're okay. creating a project? Yeah, no, and, and these same processes, it's a lot like uh, masonry in that when we're looking at saying the, uh, the rough ashlar compared to the perfect ashlar, how are you doing that? You're doing it with force. Mm-hmm. You're doing it with, you know, where the alchemist may be using a fire, all right, we're using force with a chisel and a hammer to change something into something else. And mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing basically with a spiritual alchemy. There is seven phases. There's the calcination, mm-hmm. right? That's where we're basically burning away everything that is not uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. You're getting it all the way down to the calcium of it, the bone of it. Then you're going into the dissolution of it. You're getting it to the watery phase of it, mm-hmm. okay? So let's let's talk a little bit about the calcination part of it though first. Crap, should we? Are, so is there going to be a quiz? No, no, no. <laughs> Basically, what you're doing with the calcination, if you're talking about doing this from a spiritual standpoint, what you're doing is is you're basically dis- trying to burn away all those aspects of your ego that are attached to your your spiritual mm-hmm. part of yourself. You're trying to to get that to to get rid of as much of that as quickly as possible. And this is all in what would be termed the negredo phase, the black phase. So when you're thinking about the black phase, this is the painful phase. This is the part where you're really looking into yourself to find out all of those dross things in yourself that need to be taken away, burnt off, so that you can become a more spiritual being. Breaking things down. Yeah, you are taking away, you're burning. I mean, it's truly, it's called uh, in, in... alchemy facing the dead part the dead part of yourself oh, okay so it even could get into some of Jungian shadow work kind of stuff okay. where you are kind of looking at those darker aspects of yourself and realizing what they are and then no longer needing those in your life mm-hmm. and that's calcination that's calcination then we would go into dissolution where now we're re-adding the element of water back into okay now how do the um, the three color phases uh, okay. work into the seven? Uh, maybe right. we should go through. Th- no, I think we should go through those first. Okay, because okay, there's really three phases and then seven steps. The three phases are the negredo, which we kind of talked about, the black phase. That's the introductory phase. That's the introductory so phase. So that means before calcination is. That the is negredo? during the calcination process. Okay. So the th- we have three we have three phases, and then you go through th- seven steps through those three phases. Okay. Okay, so let's, you're right, we should talk about the three phases of alchemy first. The black phase, Mm -hmm. the negredo phase. And this is the phase where you are, you know, again, looking at yourself. It would be termed, a lot of people would say the dark night of the soul. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, where you're going through that, where you're going like, you know, why why am I not a more spiritual being? Why am I not a better person? Mm Mm-hmm. this would be there there's there's when you're looking at alchemical illustrations this would be the dragon in the illustration this would be okay this would be where you're having to face this dragon Mm -hmm. okay Um, then we would go through the albedo phase which is the white phase Um, this is where you're surrendering to the dragon basically you're basically going like okay i am i understand that i cannot slay this dragon this this i cannot defeat the ego i'm going to have to come to terms with my ego and all the things that comes along with that. 
Um, it you you begin to recognize the chaotic powers of the universe and those same things that are within yourself. You you begin to recognize that the universe is not here for your pleasure. Mm -hmm. All right, that it is a painful place, and you're probably going to feel some of that pain. All right, but that's just the that's the universe, the world that you live in, and to recognize that. And then we go through the red phase, where um, is that rubedo? Yeah, it's rubedo. It's the red phase. the 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 white phase is the albedo phase. Okay. And the last one is really the most the most um, kind of dangerous aspect of this is where you're actually coming into contact with this ego, and although you're not um, actually slaying this dragon. Um, it is something to where the ego has, um, I wouldn't say allowed you to to go on without it, but you've come to terms with each other that you're on an equal footing. So do you get to ride the dragon? <laughs> you get to ride the dragon. Um, one of the ways that, that one, <laughs> al passed the bottle over. one alchemist put it is to be still, the alchemist uh -huh. advised, and rest in the arms of the dragon. Um, this is the point where you oh, are cold, cold dragon. Yeah. It's totally never-ending story. Yeah, <laughs> it's completely what happens in that. Now, one of the things that you need to remember as you're going through these phases, because in the black phase, the, the painful phase, which is the one we usually always go through and never get out of unless we are really, really good at alchemy. Yeah, and you have to actively do it. Oh yeah, you have to actively work at alchemy. It is a process, you know, that is maybe lifetime or many lifetimes of, of, of getting through. Um, and in that phase, you're basically, you know, from a magical standpoint in the black phase, you are struggling with your ego. Once you get past the ego and you get to the point where you're recognizing the spiritual aspects of yourself, in the in this white phase, it's called the uh, the, philosoph the philosophical child, or the lesser stone. Oh, okay, this okay. is the lesser stone where okay now you have basically got to the point where the ego isn't that much of an issue for you anymore, but you're still like a this child that is susceptible to to anything almost. You know these germs and anything can. So the key point in the white phase is to ensure that you don't get. Um, to the point to where your ego comes back into play. So all of a sudden, for example, as a magical person, you start getting to the point where now I've gotten past this ego part of myself and I understand this spiritual being of myself and I can't believe just how awesome I, well now you're back to the great. Right back where you started. Yeah, so I mean, it's one of these things where that, that white phase, you could get to that phase and where the spiritual things where you're starting to feel like, hey, I'm kind of starting to figure this out. I'm kind of getting it. And the next thing you know is like, I'm getting pretty awesome. Back to Negredo. <laughs> Back to Negredo for more purification, more, you know. Um, and so this is a process that once you can get through that white phase and you can, you can raise this new lesser stone or this philosophical child to adulthood, well, now you're in the red phase. So there's a lot of dealing with ego oh, hugely. in a really fascinating way. It's um, which is really fascinating when you compare it to some of the other sort of like Renaissance arts, because you know the the goetic stuff or the the summoning stuff. Like you need ego, yeah, and you know you basically are facing like the terrifying part of the universe mm -hmm. or even the terrifying part of yourself. But the whole thing is like I'm so strong that this isn't going to. That I'm going to kick its ass. Right. You don't. You know. You you uh, 
You don't go in there and be like, I'm super humble. <laughs> <laughs> Evil demons, obey me. <laughs> a powerful magician, obey me. I think from a magical standpoint, from an alchemical magical standpoint, I think that you do need to have those kind of energies going through you, but you're doing it from a from the al the albedo phase of mm -hmm. my spirit is the reason that I can be here and and not fearful, not because I don't have yeah you know and I think it all comes down to intention as well. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. the intention behind the the uh, the wording that you're doing? And, and maybe it's a different kind of ego. Also, it's a different maybe it's a uh, it's like a self confidence that isn't necessarily born out of. Is that a real thing? Like an educated self-confidence ego? Maybe we're just creating Maybe, yeah, ego. like a super ego. Super <laughs> ego. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, uh, that's a hard thing to think about. I mean, you know, I, I, so, Larry, one of the things mm -hmm. I was curious... Oh, wait, we're only on step one, aren't we? Well, this is... If we've, we've gone through the three phases uh -huh. and we've gone through calcination, the next one is dissolution. Okay. And a lot of times in the calcination, when you're looking at, because there's so much uh, illustrations and beautiful, beautifully illustrated stuff in alchemy, mm -hmm. that this phase, when you're going through and looking at these, and if you see a king in a furnace. I've seen they, kings in furnaces. That's calcination. Oh. That's what that's representing. I bet you there's even a king yeah. in a furnace in here somewhere. So. And then in the next phase, where we're dealing with dissolution, what you'll see is a king that is swimming in the water. Well, he's still got his crown on, and he's in water swimming. Okay, And yeah. this is dissolution. Mm -hmm. This is where now that he is, he's gone through this calcination point, now we're adding some water for purification. If we're dealing with this from a magical lodge or even from a, uh, from a Masonic, this would be from the north. This would be water, mm -hmm. and we would be dealing with the chaplain who's doing the purification. Okay. Okay. Because we'll go to calcination, you know, when we did calcination, we're doing the, the, the consecration of that, basically, and you're dealing with the, the junior wardens. Ah, ah. So. Okay. Okay. So All right, so by the time you get through the dissolution, mm -hmm. you already have the albedo phase of the... No, you go through calcination, dissolution, and the next one, separation. These are all in the, these are all in the negredo phase. All of those, okay. Every okay. time you're separating and moving, you know, you're, you're tugging mm -hmm. at flesh, you know what I mean? Those yeah. are the times there, when you start getting into bringing things back together, this solvayet coagula, this where we start bringing uh -huh. things back together, now we're getting into the white phase. Okay, so the first so, phase is to break everything down. like Breaking like everything down is not necessary. Reduce it to its component yeah. parts, because some of those are pure parts, some mm -hmm. of them impure parts, some of them are things that you want to continue with. Yep. That's the third phase. The How separation phase is where we'll go through now and now sift through what we've... Right. After we've... Okay. Okay. And that's after you... This is after, after dissolution. After the king takes a bath. Takes a bath. And really what this is representing psychologically is the further breakdown of the artificial structure of the psyche. Okay. By the total immersion in the unconscious, the non-rational. Okay? So uh -huh. that's what you're doing. You're basically trying to purify what is left of this thing that you've burnt away now. Now you're kind of cleaning it up. Okay. Water. And uh, then we'd go into separation. And this is where, you know, in the separation from a spiritual alchemy standpoint, we're separating or letting go the self-inflicted restraints of, tr of our true nature, this mm -hmm. ego of it. We're starting to let it go now. This is the last phase right before we go into to, uh, the albedo phase, the white phase. Okay. So our true personality begins to shine through, and the true spirit of who we really are begins to come, begins to flourish here at this point. And this is in the separation. Now we're picking out the 
even the little bitty stuff that like, ooh, that's a little piece of bone that's got to go. Right. That's a little right. piece of you know, that's a little piece of ego out of here. So. This is like the part of Nate's life when he stops shaving. That's right, yeah. <laughs> He's still picking out pizza out of that. So, <laughs> so is that when you can start to levitate? Well, at this particular point, uh, to be honest, at this particular point, the spiritual world begins to become visible to you. Mm-hmm. You've seen these were um, the physical world's in this circle, and this person's putting their head through it, yeah, and you're starting yeah. to see, that's, that's the albedo phase. As soon okay. as you start peeking through there and starting to see the workings of heaven and, and those kind of things. The um, proportions which connect this vast machine. Exactly. You're starting to get it. You're starting to actually see this would be the time where you could actually talk to, where it would be the point to where um, um, you're having conversations with your holy guardian angel right. at this point. You because have you made contact. Purified yourself. Exactly. Okay. So contact. that's early on. That's fairly early on in the process. Well, here. when you say early on, these three steps right here, most individuals will never ever see. Right. They'll never ever finish those first because it's just too painful to to go through those those parts. Okay. It's 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 a difficult. It's so crushing. Well, Sometimes. I've I, yeah. I, I've said this to you know as for a couple you know on a couple of talks that I've given. You know, for, for folks to give them an idea of what this would be like from a Judeo-Christian standpoint, the crucifixion would be the Negredo phase. Right. It's like okay. that's the beginning of That's the beginning. Thing. For him to basically rise as a spirit, he is going to have to do away with the flesh. The flesh part of it's got to go. Right. So, And then the Albedo phase would be the risen spirit. He, mm. is, he is risen now. He is, he is no longer that flesh individual that he was in the past and then the rebato phase would be the ascension to, to heaven that would okay. be the ascension so okay. those are the three phases of that perfection right there in a judeo-christian standpoint from a christ standpoint you could go through the same thing with uh buddha okay. where he's going through different i mean the first thing that all of the these guys he has see, to do is he has to go like live and be a fisherman and do all this stuff and then the first thing he had to do was face life. He starts noticing that things die, that things that there's pain in the world, that there's he has to face those things and go like, okay, I cannot be part of that, of the of the life that I'm living now, and 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 continue to grow spiritually. So I'm going to have to leave it behind. Okay. And boy, I totally lost track. Which step are we on now? We're on conjunction. Conjunction. Now this is where the fun happens. This is the chemical marriage here. Now, this is where we create. Ah. This is the point to where after these three phases are done in the separation, now what we're doing is we're, these these parts are coming together again in a more pure format, uh-huh. right? We've purified these things three times now, gotten rid of everything that's bad, brought them back together. And this is where uh, mercury and sulfur come together in this marriage to create this new child. This is this is this bond, this marriage bond between. You're the two. talking. That's like directly out of the chemical way. Yes, it is. That's exactly right. And in fact, you know, where we talk about mercury, sulfur, and salt, uh-huh. this this mercury and sulfur, where sulfur would often be termed as the soul, and mercury would be the spirit, mm-hmm. right? But they would go into this, when they go into this chemical marriage, they are doing this dance that happens so much that the alchemists say that it's hard to tell which one is which. That one becomes the spirit, and one becomes the soul, and one becomes the soul, and one becomes it, because they're in this... It's the hermaphrodite. Yes, it, it, ends up becoming, yeah. it ends up becoming a rebus-like character. They're, it's not there yet. That would be the perfected one. That would be the grown 
That that would be in Rabito, but yeah. Okay. But that would be the baby, the baby one. And as you look at these illustrations, that's what you'll see. You'll see this man and this woman right next to this furnace, and one of them is, and you know, the the male is like this, mm -hmm. you know, praying, and the and the woman's like this. One of them is open. One of them's. That image is in the tower card in the yep. uh, alchemical tarot. And then you have a child up at the top of it, mm -hmm. where it's just been made. Well, the alchemical tarot. The and then you have you have the two up. angels yeah. on the side, where he's actually now seeing these angels. He's looking at. Them. If you look at all the other ones that are in the grotto, the person who is going through this will never. There'll be spirits around, but they'll never see. They're them. They're looking at the ground. They're looking at the ground, or they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's making more sense. All right. Uh, and then what's the next step? Fermentation. All right, so we are still in the albedo phase. Absolutely, uh, yes. So we have conjunctioned. Come together. Mm -hmm. We're fermenting. All We've right. not only had conjunction, but at this point... Speaking of fermentation. Yeah, speaking yeah. of fermentation, um, I just opened the uh, Breakside Wanderlust uh, IPA. Awesome. It has uh, a nose that will blow your The Wanderlust mind. is amazing. That's yes. So uh, are you familiar with the idea of the Wanderlust King? Smell it. Tell, oh, me, yeah. tell me what that smells like. Did you want to try this, Joey? Yeah. Give me also, just so everybody knows, mm. Eric instructed me beforehand that I, you know, told me I had to pound beard during this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, not only am I sampling wow. these fantastic beers here, but I'm, I'm having my go-to IPA. Mm -hmm. total, Joey, uh, total domination. Joey has to drink one beer every ten minutes if he's going to finish his six-pack by, uh, by the end of an hour podcast. <laughs> I've been trying to be a good boy. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, this you're welcome. This, this is really good. Cheers. Cheers. This has, uh, this? Uh, this has a, an amazing nose on it. Like The, mm -hmm. the hops uh, just like... When I, when I took my first sip of it, which I think was during the um, separation phase, uh... It was. I was like, "Holy crap!" This 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 smells like like cracked barley to me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like w yeah. right before you put it in to you know start making your mash. For, yeah, uh, it kind of smells like it's you know it's been cracked. So Breakside's um, normal IPA, mm -hmm. which isn't the Wanderlust, just the Breakside whatever IPA, uh, usually wins a lot of awards. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's good. They've also got. They've got. Is it the uh, Alpha Centauri? Is that Breakside? No, that's Hop Valley oh, in, uh, right, right, in Eugene. Right. Um, but uh, this is the first brewery that I visited when I moved to Portland. Really? Yeah, my friend Brian Mathwig. Um, if you're out there, Brian, uh, I didn't know that you were into weird stuff. Thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, um, Brian. <laughs> but uh, he was—he's friends with Ben Edmonds, who's the who's the owner, brewer, head brewer at least of uh, Breakside. And when they first started, they were in this little place just up in, in Northeast Portland. Uh, which is their restaurant now. Oh, I didn't know that was the original spot. They were like a seven-barrel brewery. You'd go hmm. down into the basement. Wow. And Ben is, is, is kind of short, so it looked very normal-sized compared to him, but uh, everybody else had to like, <laughs> duck. To, they had like specially-made brewing equipment that was all like short enough to fit in their basement and stuff. Huh. Um, That's interesting. And he is, he's like an incredibly talented and bizarrely com creative brewer. Hmm. So back then they would do stuff like... Um, I wish Matt was here so he could tell us what some of the equipment is called that I can't remember. But there's there's like a thing that brewers will use now that where they pour beer through hops directly into a pint glass, hmm. and so they would make their beer and they'd put stuff other than hops in 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 their wow. thingamajig, huh. like pour through thing. Hmm. So they they made like a spicy beer that they poured through strawberries and they did. Uh, 
it was it didn't always succeed, right? He was just experimenting to see what worked. Just right, just having um, fun. Yeah, but as you can see, he's he's very talented. This no, is, this was good. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a, a distinct flavor that I have never had in a beer before. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it's really mm. good. Is that device like kind of so it kind of like creates a short infusion of whatever it is into the beer? Yeah, yeah. The reason I remember the strawberry one is because it didn't really work very well. Like none of the strawberry flavor managed to come out. It's difficult. It's got to sit for a while. Yeah. Um, but when they do it through hops, it's really impressive because they'll do like they'll do like wet hops in those mm -hmm. things, and the and it gets like the most That's pungent of the hop. essential oils right zooming straight through. Um, yeah, what, what that was a good one. Yeah, what's that? So one? I'm gonna let him. Okay. He knows more about beer than I do. Yeah. Or so tell us, tell us about the next. About the, so okay. we're on fermentation. We're on fermentation now. Spiritual fermentation is the process um, that we go through with. Uh, it's a lot of times you'll see this in in Asian or um, or Indian uh -huh. uh, Hindu. Kind of, where you'll see this flower at the top of their at the with top the of their head, and it goes through their the Kundalini all the way you know through the right, spine. Right. And what we're dealing with here is we're looking at this fermentation. They called it the peacock's tail. And what you're dealing with in this, alchemy. yeah, in alchemy, this peacock's tail, when you see it, uh, you know, uh -huh. this in illustrations with this peacock tail, it, it represents this fermentation process uh -huh. where when you look at, uh, say when you're in a parking lot and you, and you see this, uh, you know, where cars have been parked and it's rained and you see that oily kind of, the cut, yeah, the rainbow. Yeah, that rainbow. That's yeah. exactly what you're seeing in fermentation. If you once you start fermenting, ferment, fermenting something, you'll look at it and you'll see that oil slick on the top. Well, they said that this is the same thing in spiritual alchemy, where you're seeing this this kind of glow of colors at the top. You know, of mm -hmm. your this this flourishing of your spirit in this in these graphical colors. And a lot of times, to be quite honest, this is is achieved through some psychedelics, some through mm -hmm. some you know this type of this type of work where you're getting into that spiritual, chemical transformation. In you know. okay, I have two questions about this. Yeah. Uh, the first is dealing with psychedelics. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, like entheogenic practices, like using psychedelics to uh, to either enhance your spiritual practice mm -hmm. or to have like um, transcendental experiences or whatever? Does it find an easier home in an alchemical practice than it does in others? I don't think so. I think you'll find two schools of thought on that, where some people go like, you know, absolutely, these are things that are uh, spiritual enhancing, mm -hmm. and that uh, they utilize them in their practice. And there's other people that are like, you know, absolutely not. That's, okay. This is something where you can achieve these same kind of transformational. So I, I think that it can be achieved both ways. I just happen to think, and even though I don't use them in my own practice, I think that it's probably a shortcut to get there. It opens pathways in your consciousness that probably would take years to do otherwise. Yes. So. Yes, and yeah. Um, okay, and then my other question is, mm -hmm. uh, fermentation to me, uh, you know, having, having brewed beer before and mm -hmm. having worked around it and stuff, uh, fermentation to me is... is a controlled decay, almost right, mm -hmm. because yeah. almost all fermentation processes, as we as we know it outside of alchemy, involve uh, introducing microorganisms to organic material and letting it letting microorganisms like eat and fart. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, when we enjoy beer, the stuff that we really love is the beer farts and the beer poop. You know, I've never the, the yeast, yeast farts and yeast poops. Right, <laughs> I've never heard it say that way. But what do, what do, what does a new child do? 
Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? This is, the, this is an alchemical. This is an alchemical child, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a child, and it, that's, it's it's you know it's absorbing and excreting. You know. Are so. you um, are you familiar with the uh, Buddhist practice of uh, Chud? Hmm. Um, Chud is this. Uh, it's it's a contemplation of death, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's a contemplation of horrific death. Sure. Uh, it can it can involve like getting. You know, chewed on by demons, or you, or you contemplate like your dead body rotting in the woods, mm-hmm. or you, and you, you try to identify it, right? Like it's a, it's an attempt to. Um, I, I guess I don't know truly what it's an attempt to do. I've never received that level of Buddhist initiation, mm-hmm. but, um, but do you think that is similar? So is this sort of a? Well, I think that that goes into the Negredo phase, and I think that we begin that practice even uh-huh. in masonry into when you start putting people in their chamber of reflection. Okay. This is a reminder of that it is a death and rebirth cuz you know mm-hmm. this this chamber is basically a womb. All right? This yeah. is what it's really representing is a womb and your rebirth into something that is more spiritual from a mundane life. That's right. what a uh, and it's there to remind you that the the physical aspects of your life are the least important in your life. Okay. Uh some of that. Another brother who's mm-hmm. infinitely wise and who's been on this podcast before, Chuck Dunning, um, said that he believed that the lodge room itself was the womb, um, and it's, it's yeah. it, and it was the area where the actual like regeneration of the soul took place. Mm. It, it's it's possible. Yeah, I think that that would be good. And you know, I've given a um, short fifteen minute lecture on finding the stone in the blue mm-hmm. lodge. The stone's mm-hmm. there. So, so you found gold there? No. <laughs> you make gold with the stone. Yeah. yeah that's where's, the, how, where's yeah. the gold there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold. Where's the gold? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know it. No, um, is, uh, all right, so this is Freem mm. Summer Ale. Freem Family Brewing Summer yeah. Ale. This is uh, delicious. The nose on this, this thing is, is yeast. Mm-hmm. Like you smell. Totally yeast. Yeah. yeah. It's like a loaf of bread. It's and it's it's great. Well, one of the nicest things about Freem is they've got such a great yeast. Ooh, I like that thing. Like this throughout all their beers, really they've good. got. It's almost like a lager, but mm-hmm. got the little mm. more body. It's got a nice bite yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, there's something the hops. A little citrusy in that too. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the hops. Yeah, yeah. It's Citrus. nice. It's a it's mm-hmm. a subtle. Uh, also, our, our palate, we, we totally have been drinking. Oh, yeah. We should have started with this yeah. guy. I haven't even rinsed out my glass, so it's got. A but there's also a there's a bite to it that's. Sourish, mm-hmm. like maybe that might be the yeast, mm-hmm. kind of tart, like a wild yeasty flavor. Do you taste that? And it's Richard. like a it's like a final yeah. note too. Mm-hmm. So that that yeah. final final note on that is. I like it. That's yeah. delicious. I love Freem. They're they're uh, they're one of those breweries where they don't make beer that's like super standard all the time, and but it's delicious to drink by the pint. And that is my favorite kind of beer. Yeah, I think I'm overall, a, I'm a huge, huge advocate of Freem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen you picketing mm-hmm. outside other breweries. More like free. More free. Actually, didn't uh, didn't Seabar have one on tap last week that was amazing? I think they still do right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're gonna have to investigate that after. Yes, we are. I feel like a lot of our podcasts in that way. <laughs> we should go to Seabar and record more, and that never happens. <laughs> have you guys done one from the Mount Hood Brewing Company yet? Uh, you mean up there? Up in uh, Government Camp. No, 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 but uh, we talked about that. I'd yeah. love to do that. You know, it'd be really fun to um, 
It's about uh, 10 miles from my house. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fun to like go uh, on a field trip, like see yeah. your library and your lab, and then go out there. And now that I've got the furry hat for my recorder, we can record outside there even when go. it's windy. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of your lab, what's that like? Yeah. Well, the, you know, for me, this is, we. I, I have the, the copper still, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is basically a lot of herbs and mason jars and stuff like that. The real, to me, the lab is me. Mm. That's the laboratory. And I do have a chamber of reflection at home so that I go into every day and reflect on my own mortality and how that is the least aspect of myself. And then I go back into the, the world and remind myself of, that I'm a spiritual being before I'm a mundane being. So. Right. Okay. And uh, so it, uh, still working on getting through that Negredo phase, getting to the point to where it's, you know, the, 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 the mundane parts of my life are, and it's taken years. You know, at, at um, I started, you know, I was a, a spiritual person from a, a, an early age, and I learned that I cannot work in a corporate job where I was, a, you know, an operations manager in a, in a winery and have you know a publishing company and these other kind of things and still practice my spirituality so I had to give it up I had to mm -hmm. give up a six-figure job 11 years ago to to go like my spirituality is more important than, than the big house and the, there's uh, definitely a phase of like you really have to embrace your ego mm -hmm. to succeed in that type of environment I, I went through that same process mm -hmm. um, and and you know it, the the thing is like I'm not good at making money in general, so mm -hmm. I keep winding up in the same spot where I'm like, oh god, I have to work more and work more. And then Portland just keeps making it difficult because yeah. everything gets more expensive all the time. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I think you are good at making money. You're you're one of the only people I know that like lives the life they want on their own terms. Oh, I work too much. <laughs> that's the goal of mine just like to yeah. have the life you want so. yeah. what I hope to do with mine is that, that to ensure that the things that I'm doing with the kind of books that I sell and the kind of books that I publish enhances my spirituality as opposed mm -hmm. to it, it is in conjunction with me becoming a more spiritual being as opposed to becoming like Am I am I going to make this amount? Of, you know, have I reached this level? Of, you know, I mean, those days are over for me. I don't right. need to. You know, I don't. I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't worry about money. Let's get on back to the alchemy. Yep, we got plenty of beer. And <laughs> okay, so we did fermentation. Mm -hmm. We're in distillation now. Distillation. Distillation. I feel like we should be drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> that can happen. Yeah. Um, uh, why don't after we're done with alchemy, yeah. we'll we'll pause for a moment. For a word from our non-existent sponsor. <laughs> from a word from our sponsors. Uh, and then we'll get whiskey. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, this is basically, the, the distillation is the rising of the life force that is, re, you know, really in our lower region mm -hmm. to our upper region. And this is, this is really, we kind of took from the Oriental heritage where the Oriental alchemists really called this the circle of light that is within us. Okay, so what we're doing is bringing this up to the pineal gland at this point into that spiritual aspect of ourselves. Now, to to do something that I know Eric's going to like from the from the emerald tablets, this is where we alchemists really get this. Uh -huh. It rises from the earth to the heaven and then descends again to the earth and receives power from above and from below. Mm -hmm. Thus, you will have the glory of the whole world. It's like the circulation of the body of light. That's it. That's exactly what I just said. <laughs> yeah, the oriental circulation of, of light. It's. Yeah. It, I mean, is it? Uh, it's mm -hmm. like the same thing that happens in the middle pillar ritual. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. You nailed it. Hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
So that is the distillation aspect of it. This, this is really comes down to our 32nd degree equilibrium. This is where we are. We are now in balance mm -hmm. at this particular point to the point to where we are, have, have, have gone through our adolescence, have gone through our teenage years, and this, this new being, spiritual being that we created is now into young adulthood. All right. There's is, this, a, is this the same thing as like when the earth equalizes its positive and negative ions? Is there a flash of lightning? Prob well, I mean, this, this, there is some light involved, but this generally resides in the pineal gland is what's, you know, where it's, and that's why you see that on my desktop right there. This right here. Oh, your yeah. cast iron acorn? Yes. I thought this is how you got human bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you feel this, Joey? Yep. I think Urgh. I picked it up before. Mm -hmm. It's quite heavy. Thump it on the desk so that everybody at home can hear. It's definitely how you get yeah. bones. <laughs> the, the main thing in this one is that at this particular point after the distillation is that the ego is no longer in control of this, this person. Okay. Okay. What does that look like from the outside? What, what I wish I knew. Have you met anybody? Who you think no. No, I think that at this point you're getting into the Christhood and Buddhahood. If you were looking at it from a Golden Dawn standpoint, this Crossing would be... this. Yes, this would be the Kether, Hokma, and Bina area out there. So the place where there's... Like, you have no idea what those sorts of people are like. No. I think no. they just disappear, don't they? Yeah, yeah they pull in Arya <laughs> Kaplan and they just yeah. like kick off early. That would yeah. be the next phase. Ah, the coagulation. Ah. Yes. So when at this particular point when we go into coagulation is where we would call this the where we, we began with what would be called the prima materia. This mm -hmm. is basically the, the the earth, the general mm -hmm. thing, the you, the, the the black sand. The black sand, the yeah, the alchem. Uh, now what we have created is the alta materia. We have separated the everything out and the, the alta, alta material. Oh, old stuff. Yeah. Ult ultima materia. Ultima. It's the ultimate material. Oh, 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 right. So now it is completely and utterly perfected. The salve et coagula that you see on the baphomet, that is what that represents. We are now a completely perfect being. This is where you would get into now. This is in the, you know, you are no longer susceptible to death. You're beyond that. St. Germain said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you are beyond that, that. None of that holds a power over. So we're, this we're, might be, we're Tom is yeah. much. This might be like a little <laughs> left field, but in popular culture, film, whatever. So looking at the Matrix, mm -hmm. the architect, mm -hmm. he's in a completely white space. Mm -hmm. And Tron, the return, or whatever the second one was called, Jeff Bridges. Oh, his, the his dude, where the dude is in Tron. Yeah. yeah. The dude is just meditating in white and mm -hmm. in this completely serene, creative space. Or is it more like the king on the goat throne in Holy Mountain? Uh, I think. <laughs> I think at this point you would be getting to the point at this level where you would be contemplating uh, the perfection of what you've become. You'd be contemplating your own, almost to the point to where you have come to the point where you're nirvana. You've merged with God at this point, in the mystical sense of the word. So you're like the. The contemplating master sitting on top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah I mean, at this point, it, there's, at this point, there's no death. Uh, there's there. You're beyond suffering. You're beyond corruption. Okay. So it's a perfected stone. And this is only step six. No, this is the last. That's the last. Oh, that's stage. the last one. That's the at seven. Yep. 
That's the last phase. Well, so that's, last just, phase. that's the stage that Trump's at right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Coagulation is that. Okay. Coagulation, that where you've... It's like... Yeah. Yeah. What you've done at the beginning of it is the solve part. Uh -huh. You've dissolved everything. You've right, you know, right. tore it apart. And now you're putting the back the perfected pieces together with the coagulant. You're putting together and bringing it back together. So yeah, how does this play out in um, in in your daily practice? Uh, I mm -hmm. guess, I mean, you already told us about like your chamber of reflection. Thing. Yes. Um, I guess my, my question is, um, so much of the material on alchemy, or, like the old material on alchemy, mm -hmm. has to do with like physical sciences or physical mm -hmm. processes. Um, does your daily practice involve? Um, like physical lab work at all, or, well, I, I or is it mostly spiritual? It's and mostly mental? spiritual work, and the reason you know there was really even as we were going through the Renaissance, there was, there was really two types of alchemists. Uh -huh. We had alchemists that really believed that they were going to try to turn lead into gold. That, uh -huh. that was their purpose. That they were looking at it from a monetary standpoint of trying to perfect lead into something more perfect that would benefit them mm -hmm. financially. And then what you had was these people utilizing this a lot like we do in masonry with the working tools, going mm -hmm. like there's something that is far more valuable here than gold. It's the, it's the perfected spirit of yourself. That's the real gold. And so what they were doing is utilizing these allegories of this lead into gold mm -hmm. and utilizing it. This is why you see, and we use it in, um, in masonry too, the beehive. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're t the, these bees are going out, taking the earth and coming back and turning it into gold and honey. Mm. Okay, so they're taking it back to the lab and turning it into something that is more perfect and, and tasty and will last forever. And, you know, it's, um, so that's why we utilize those symbols. And a lot of times if you started really writing about this spirituality and things that could heal people with herbs and stuff, they would have burnt you at the stake. So it's far easier to put it into uh, these pictures of these, you know, this And the weird coded language. The, uh... And you know that symbols can say much more than words can. Oh, yeah. You know, so these symbols, as you start looking at it and getting into these symbols, I mean, one of these alchemical illustrations is worth a book in itself. Right, You know, right. The rebus alone, I mean, you could study that for a lifetime. Well, I remember your talk on the yeah. rebus, and it was... You know, it was fascinating mm -hmm. just the amount of stuff you were, you were able to pull out of people talking to them about the rebus for just like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's and, and really, um, I mean, we have the emblem of the rebus here. It's the double-headed eagle. Every time you see a double-headed eagle in alchemy, it means the rebus. Ooh. So. So, I think that means it's time to get whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> you All right. Hit, hit the stop button. Oh, wait, no, we should say something like, and now for a word from our sponsors. After these messages, <laughs> After these, right these, yes, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Curtis. <laughs> My Alchemical Bromance is sponsored by Miskatonic Books. Miskatonic Books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare, limited edition, and custom-made books of the highest quality. They specialize in books on the occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, Hermeticism, and other topics of interest to you, our listeners. Check them out on the web at miskatonicbooks.com. So speaking about that, how, yeah. how, how did you get into the publishing business? You know, I got into the publishing business uh, because I liked 
uh, limited edition, and these were horror titles at the time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, science fiction, and yeah. and so I started learning that, you know, first of all, I started out by collecting these, and, you know, they were so expensive that I had to find out a way, because my wife was just going, you can't spend any more money on these kind of stuff. <laughs> so I started calling these. You can't quit your job and buy expensive books at the same time. <laughs> you know, this is at a time where I had you know young children and stuff. And, you know, uh-huh. so I'm I'm you know I, I called all the publishers and go, okay, what can I do to get discounts on these? And they go, well, you know, buy five of them, we'll give you a forty percent discount. So I would backpack the other four titles mm-hmm. to work and basically sell them to other people, sell these to other individuals just that I knew if you know and it, work. since you got a forty percent discount you made a profit. You didn't I made just a make profit. your money back, you seeded your next book purchase. Exactly. And I got one free. So I got one of those for free. Uh-huh. And then, you know, had a little bit and then so the next thing I was doing, that was back at the time before the internet, so I started doing a printed mm-hmm. catalog and uh Started selling a bunch of other, and then I went like, you know, why don't I just start publishing these? So in 2002, I go like, I'm going to publish. So I called, you know, some publishers, and they, you know, say this is the way to get started. And I just now about 150 books later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're not just talking about like regular books. Everybody, like these are really interesting, intricate. Yeah, these pieces. are. I have made some exotic, some <clears throat> exotic titles before. Some of these are, you know, bound in some very exotic materials, boa. We had one that was, uh, in fact, it's a movie um, um, called The Woman. That uh, it's a, a horror title that came out by John uh, by Jack Ketchum. And on this Jack one, it's a Ketchum? Jack Ketchum. Is that a real name? Yeah, it is. Well, that's his pseudonym, but yeah, okay. it's a but it's yeah. a real pseudonym. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's what he that's what he writes under. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I feel like I don't trust this Jack Ketchum. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. He anyway. I mean, the, the the person in this, the main character, was a cannibal, and so uh, we we bound human bones into the to the cover of the book. Human yeah. bones. Human bones are in that. Yeah. How many copies did you make? Twenty six. How many people did you have to kill? <laughs> yeah, so uh, how many we're recording. Like, catch yeah. Kill. <laughs> we did have to get those bones across the Canadian border and back and. Yeah. 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 Was it uh, exciting? Was it yeah. like action movie? Yeah. Have you heard the term mule before? No. <laughs> First off, <laughs> if I had to get a quote because of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we've had some exotic ones, and that one was, uh, and this person was kept in a cage that they caught, so we had it all uh, done in a cage that had a lock and key. And the so book? The book was in a cage. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Damn. Do you have pictures of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can pictures of it. It's part of his website. Love oh, yeah. to see yeah. pictures. We, we should, there'll be a picture in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll yeah. send you pictures, yeah. Oh, Joey, we got a sponsor. Woodford Reserve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that big. The <laughs> so, second half of this episode is brought to you by whiskey. <laughs> uh, so what are we drinking, Nate? We are drinking uh, Woodford Reserve Distiller Select uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. I like how when you delicious. said that, the mm-hmm. yellow eye popped out of your arm and stared at me. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is in the whiskey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my uh, Tibetan demon. I think your devil winked at me. Yeah, probably did. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of some of the herbs and stuff we do, the way I usually drink it is I usually, like if I'm taking St. John's Ward, I'll use uh-huh. it as a float. I'll mm. put it in... Uh, in whiskey? Right, put it right on top of my whiskey. And, really? Uh, mm-hmm. So, or ginkgo or whatever, and... Um, the, the the ginkgo that that my wife makes will actually I mean you could actually fill 
feel it like sparking in your head when you t when you take it. I mean, your brain just kicks into gear. Did but, you bring any? But it only no, I didn't. But no. I will next. Time. But it only it only lasts about an hour and a half. Because Joey that's will about it. literally but, try anything. Yeah, yeah it's true. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever work with the uh, the, uh, the silver um, the Quicksil? 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 Oh no, I haven't. But that's I hear that it's really good. I don't deal uh, with anything that is metal in alchemy because it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the fumes and the other stuff that goes along with it uh, is is pretty hazardous. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I know that even Israel Regardi inhaled some fumes and he was messed up for you know a long oh, yeah. time after yeah. after that. So and and um, it's also expensive. Yeah, and it's hot yeah like you have to be melting shit yeah uh actually you know mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough the picatrix talks mm -hmm. a lot about uh alchemy that's like metal alchemy mixed with plant alchemy right and meat alchemy and what and meat meat yes meat. there's a lot of meat <laughs> alchemy meat. Mm -hmm. but uh but a lot of the recipes in the in book book three or book four um involve uh, dissolving plant matter in like molten gold yeah. and using that to make annulets and stuff, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the symbols that are in there are interchangeable too, like yeah. the uh, green, the green lion eating the sun. Well, you see that, and you kind yeah, of yeah. I was wondering about that. that. Where do you um, where do you buy like sun bits for your green lion? This well, basically what this is representing in the in the uh, from the plant standpoint in alchemy uh -huh. is photosynthesis. Where you have these plants that are oh that are absorbed, shit that's you know? like the most obvious yeah uh, that is totally obvious uh, all of my all of my green lion pet store jokes are gone now <laughs> and then in the other one it goes into um, I forget the kind of uh, acid that is created from iron but it is an iron uh, is it iron sulfate that will actually once it's purified will actually melt the gold. So it's one of the few oh, things that's, that's um, um, it's, um, um, but it's, yeah, aqua something, yeah, uh, nitric acid. It's, it, yeah, I forget. It's made from the, uh, from the iron sulfate though, I think. And then it goes into, yeah, and it's got a great name, yeah. alchemy. What do they call it? Uh, aqua regnum. Yeah. The, the regal water. So, kingly water. anyway, this is, you know, when you're seeing these things, a lot of times they're interchangeable, but they mean different things depending on how you're using them. So, mm. uh, so let's, um, I want to, so. Tell us more about Miskatonic books. So you started telling the story. Okay, a um, bit. I might even like cut that out and put it after the. Sure, break. sure. Uh, uh, Miskatonic books is up in twenty seconds. Yes. When uh, <laughs> when the, when the wife and I decided that you know we're we're both spiritual folks mm -hmm. and we decided that you know our kids were grown and out of the house, uh, they were on their own, and we decided okay, you know what, we can we're going to uh, not live in the corporate world anymore, and we're mm -hmm. going to. Um, move somewhere where we want to move to and do what we want to do even if it's at a uh, you know not at the same level that we are used to living at. Mm -hmm. so did you, did you have a practice before like while the kids were at home well we did but it was something that i didn't want to influence my children with it's so you, something so you that a secret yeah and now i mean you know one of my kids um is a master mason he's in scottish right he is he has an he has a vlog, a magical vlog. Yeah, YouTube yeah. channel, really? uh, yeah. which is actually really good, and it's very it much. Um, mm -hmm. It's esoteric chat, I think. Yeah, yeah. We'll put that a link yeah. to that in the yeah, show we'll notes. Yeah. That's uh, that's Devin Roberts. Devin Roberts. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's very interesting because mm -hmm. it's totally not the same kind of practice you have. No. His is his is almost entirely. It seems kind of like theurgic. It's mm -hmm. um, like chaos magic style, affirmation style, sort of. Uh, new thought magic interesting yeah 
Yeah, he yeah he's uh, he's he, he's a chip off the old block. He's good. Yeah. He's 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 you know a far older soul than I was at his age. That's for sure. Yeah, he's a bright guy. Yeah, he's he's a good kid. Um, and then my oldest son doesn't have a spiritual bone in his body. Not one. Well. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, but you still love him. I do. No. I do. Right. He, maybe he does. Maybe, maybe he's just keeping it secret. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, um, true. I mean, maybe he's got a different path. Who knows? That's maybe true. That's a... true. It could be. I, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. So yeah. So, but yeah. Okay. So uh, the wife and I decided. I had worked at a winery for 20 years and mm-hmm. decided I was an operations manager there and uh, put in my notice. And my wife got on Google's Maps and found the greenest spot in Oregon, and it was Welch's. We flew down the next day, and I bought a house. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. And, uh, you two like to get things done, don't you? Yeah, so we bought it that day, and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, drove the U-Haul up here with about, I don't know, 30,000 books, and, and uh, got us a little, a little home, you know, just mm-hmm. a little, I mean, it's, 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 it's very... Um, very, you know, it's a manu- in Welch's you have a lot of manufactured homes because you have to move them if the creek changes or you know what I mean. So you got to move stuff <laughs> right, around. Right. But we live right on um, the, you know, right off off Welch's Road. The, the population there in Welch's is about nine hundred. So it's uh, uh, it's it's nice. We love it up there. Mm-hmm. We love it up there. We are currently looking for a new place that it's uh, we can do some more magical workings that has about an acre on it that is near some water. And Ooh, then, uh, outdoor magical outdoor, workings. Yeah. Going to get what something you do the abermon? Oh yeah, that'd oh, be, yeah. I would have to face a certain way, but yeah, I think I would. I would <laughs> yeah. You need yeah. to have a sandbox. Yeah, got to have a sandbox. Actually, like, the whole room has to be a sandbox. <laughs> we'll spread the sand out there. Yeah. I mean, wherever they're walking, we'll it's be just a dirt it. floor. It's just that's nothing. Floor, yeah. uh, <laughs> lowers the property value yep. a little bit. Um, uh, so what's okay? So um, mm-hmm. so Miskatonic Press. Yeah. Uh, is not just a bookstore though. You always you also do. That's where you do the yeah. custom binding. Well, that's sort of like is that? Would you consider that more higher end stuff? Like, what's the difference? Miskatonic between? Books is a, a uh, an occult bookstore. Okay. Basically, what we do is we handle other folks that are publishing the same type of books that we do. Mm-hmm. This would be uh, various different Scarlet Imprint, uh, Three Hand Press, um, Ouroboros uh-huh. Press, whatever here, and you know. So we. We take, you know, we buy those in bulk, and then we sell them as a bookstore, and then we also have Azoth Press, which we publish. Okay, and that's our, your imprint. That's my imprint, yes. And you have had some incredible authors. You've had Adam Forrest. Yes. Who's local. Mm-hmm. You've had... Well, Adam Forrest is my current editor for Azoth Press, so everything goes through him first. Uh-huh. He looks it over, reads it, and... I mean, and you know, Adam Forrest is a wealth of information. I mean, he understands. Oh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's crazy smart. He's, he's yeah. Um, but you also published John Michael Greer. Yes. You've published Frater. Frater Ashen Jassen. Frater Ashen Jassen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and others, uh, and like uh, what? What's Chick and Tabby Cicero, yeah. Aaron Leach. Yeah, we've uh, you know, and these are all you know fascinating very good magicians mm-hmm. that um, and uh, we do have a new book that we're going to announce pretty soon by John Michael Greer on Bruno's uh, Bruno's um, is it it's Deum Bruce it Arum, yes. isn't it yeah. oh I'm so excited about yep. that yeah. he's not gonna lock himself in his room create like a room that's based on Giordano's writing and then disappear <laughs> suddenly is he? <laughs> I, I hope not no. um, you know I I, uh, I use uh, I can't remember the name of the, the translator, but mm-hmm. um, I used the 
techniques in Dave, mm -hmm. uh, Dave Versetti RM uh, regularly. Like that's the memory stuff that, yes. I'm, that I'm working with right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the art of memory. It is memory, yeah. so mm -hmm. fascinating. Like mm -hmm. Bruno, I don't want to talk about Bruno too much because Matt will make fun of me yeah. since the episode. <laughs> but um, but his take on everything, like his his uh, meshing, melding together of like Renaissance Neoplatonism and the mm -hmm. art of memory uh, was it like exploded my brain. Mm -hmm. I read that and I was like, oh holy shit! I totally mm -hmm. see, I totally see what memory magic is mm -hmm. now. Um, and the so device really that he exciting. created in that, my hope is, is that we're going to be able to put that with the deluxe edition in a brass and or copper that will turn. A memory in, wheel? Yeah, memory wheel. Oh, so, wow. He, you have to do five rings. Right. Because in the printing, he only did three rings, mm -hmm. but his, his all of the instructions use five. Five. Uh, and I'm not. Yeah, so Adam Forrest cool. is coming up with the diagram for it right now, so that I can get it to the guy who works. Because in the uh, the first book that we published, Liber Spiritum, we put uh, a sigil mm -hmm. that was made out of copper embedded into the book, the yeah. board of the book. So the same guy who did that, the the laser etching on that, we're going to see if he can do the rings He's for gonna, us. You're basically going to get a book with a spinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, a cool spinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's a cool mm -hmm. gimmick, but but in the book, mm -hmm. Bruno's like this is he's not he doesn't expect you to actually create that. He's just using mm -hmm. that as an example of how it might work in your mind. Um, you got to realize the way a publisher thinks. A publisher for our deluxe editions, which we're only going to make probably twenty six of, maybe twenty seven. Yeah, you got to uh, you got to do something <laughs> really. You know, I mean, something that people are going to go like, oh my god, I I, I need mm -hmm. that in my you know, this mm -hmm. is something unique and. So we'll we'll bind it, you know, in a special way. We'll put it in a uh, clamshell box, and we'll uh, you know do something really unique with it. Oh, with the uh, with the Frater Osh and Chas and the gateways through light and shadow, we mm -hmm. uh, did that one in all uh, black and white leather for light and shadow. And then yeah. we, then he he handmade um, mercurial talismans for each each one of them. So. Yeah. And that was the deluxe edition. That was the deluxe edition. Yeah, because I've got this yeah. one. I've got the blue bound one, yeah. which is still, is that leather? No, that is a unique cloth that is called Silk Touch that we use that is made to feel like leather but look like silk. It feels incredible. Yeah, like, and so it's really, um, uh, it's, it's a, and I've used it quite a bit on, on, uh -huh. on various different ones, but it really, it handles fingerprints very well. It wears really, really well over time, mm -hmm. so... Uh, the, the, the two books that we've done under Azoth Press at this particular point have both been done in a silk touch. Yeah. Okay. But they are technically a synthetic cloth. Oh, you did another of, uh, of Chasson's books. Well, he was also, he did also uh, a long hundred page essay in uh, Libra Spirit Tome. Okay, that's, yeah. that's the other one I saw. And that one was all on angel magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the next one that we're talking about doing, it hasn't been, uh, but we are going to do, I don't even know if I want to talk about this yet, but I will for, well, this, this, for this podcast. Okay, well, this podcast will probably come out mm -hmm. in the middle of August. So. This podcast um, will be out in 2020. All right. So yes. um, <laughs> we are looking at doing a, with, with multiple different uh, translators doing the magnum opus of the opera melon from every every language that it's been published in having a translator and, and uh, so we Wait, have so you translators take, lined up like 
You're going to take sort of German. an authoritative edition, mm-hmm. like Dane's edition, yep. and translate it into every language. And Well, the ones that we're going to get new translations, brand new translations of the old manuscripts. From the, old, from the oldest, from, we have the German, uh-huh. we have, what's the other ones? Well, there's several Hebrew transcripts, right. there's, or manuscripts. Uh, I think Dane worked with five different manuscripts. Yep. And so we are going to get different translators who specialize in those specific languages and we will have so you'll have the German edition at the same time you're looking here's the German line here's the you know and then you'll be able to look at oh, it. Oh you're going to do a polyglot edition. Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> that is so, so It's going to take awesome. some time. Yeah, is it going to have like the so it's going to be authoritative in so you're going to have like the originals and mm-hmm. the translations. Exactly. Facing pages polyglot yes. style. Yep. So we're hoping it's going to be... quite a project. Yeah, it is. It's going to be... But we've already got some folks lined up for it. We've already got some... I totally want one of those. So, anyway. Everybody in this group will get one, so... Cool. Yes. He's also also getting me a Necronomicon uh, bound in human flesh. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have to wait until Joey dies, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) (laughs) Take me now. Joey drinks our scooter super fast. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want, my arm? We'd use you, Nate, but you're too tatted up. (laughs) Yeah, well, I wouldn't appreciate that for my own (laughs) body. You have to have a little furry wall of that. So, yeah, there's some interesting (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Some interesting stuff in the near future coming out from Azoth Press. Awesome. Well, I am really looking forward to it. I have loved every Azoth Press book that I've got my hand on, and um, one of the things that I super appreciate about him is that you are obviously like a bibliophile in the sexual sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, you, Mm -hmm. the the tactile experience of the Mm -hmm. book, the physical presence of the book, the smell of the book, the quality of the binding like oh everything about the book uh just feels perfect the the layout of the text block the way the colors and the typeface and everything like the art of the book is so absolutely present it you know it um it you know the the azoth press books uh you know definitely fit amongst the favorites on my bookshelf including like uh the aerobarus press Uh stuff uh yeah the, Williams, uh, Williams, good. He does. Mm-hmm. He he has a love for the art. To oh yeah, books. those yeah. books are gorgeous. They are. And with the um, that really, and it, they all come with book covers, but it's like this, this high quality paper. Well, it's it's letterpress. That's yeah. why it has. Oh, so, uh, so what you got with that is you actually have lead type pressing mm-hmm. into those, so it gives it a, a three D effect. So you yeah. see shadow as it moves. It moves with you, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it, it's almost like a tombstone. You're looking at a tombstone, how, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, so that's what you get with letterpress. You mm-hmm. know, um, letterpress is the best type you're going to get. It's, you'll, it's, it's, it's texture. It's, it's, you it feel adds, it. like, yeah. physical texture yeah. to the book. And so it moves when you move. It, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like, so yeah, uh, letterpress is very, very Yeah, good. it changes the entire experience of reading because suddenly absolutely. reading the book is. It, it jumps out at you on the page. Yeah, it absolutely. Um, we did one in letterpress that I did for um, that was um, from an author named Brian Keen that was about these monsters that were uh, the whole town goes completely dark all the electricity is off and these monsters are just coming out of you can't see them so every page that you turn would have teeth coming out and the the text block was in a circle so it looked like this mouth coming at you every time you turn the page the mouth oh, was really? out. yeah yeah that's interesting yeah. Um, <laughs> So do you uh, see like do you see the value of your books like say a year after your release the limited 
something mm-hmm. really interesting, you see the value just like skyrocket. Well, yeah, they do. I mean, it, but as with anything, these things have a tendency to ebb and flow, mm-hmm. ebb and flow with, with popularities and with, uh, there was times where we were producing stuff where, I mean, the, the book alone, when it first came out, was 1200 bucks just for a you know, just for, for, yeah. So there were, you know, they're, they're basically the Lamborghinis of, uh, you know. I'm going to have to go back and get a corporate yeah. job and give them my spiritual life. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that one was called Infernal House, where I did, mm-hmm. you know, that imprint was, they would be bound in boa, boa constrictor, and bound in, you know. Um, well, you bound our, um, the, you bound our lodges, uh, mm-hmm. Corpus Hermetica. Yes. Which is the, the Copenhagen mm-hmm. translation of the Hermetica, uh, in like a green faux snakeskin sort of stuff, mm-hmm. with the, with the Caduceus. skull and caduceus. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a gorgeous book. I've put pictures of it on Facebook before, mm-hmm. but it is, um. It is so pretty that all of our senior deacons, even if they're not hermeticists, <laughs> they, uh, lot, yeah. they always want to use it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's beautiful. So yeah, that one was made just for you in honor well, of your uh, yeah your time in the East. Well, when uh, when I get kicked out of Esoterica, I'm yeah. taking it with you. are taking it with you. <laughs> 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 Shouldn't be too long. I have to get another one made. Then. <laughs> Uh, it'd be great to have, um, well, because you know, I mean, we I know we ran into problems with it. it it's not mm-hmm. a lay flat binding because mm-hmm. we took a paperback book and rebound it. Yeah. But it would be great to. It would be great if you guys could make a real. I, I have looked for that, trying to find a hardcover of that edition. I always have it in my. In have my you edition. tried talking to, Copenhagen or? Or they are. They're just about, about five hundred bucks, which is oh, you know, if you're gonna, if you just yeah. want one to look pretty on the shelf, because it's gonna cost you another hundred and fifty. And it's probably not gonna be it. that pretty. You're gonna have to rebind it anyhow. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you tried? Have you thought about talking to uh, Clement Solomon? Um, because he's got he did, he's got the way of Hermes and Asclepius, so he's got all the classic Hermetica translated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all by, uh, mm, it's not Ibis Press. I feel like the press has a picture of Thoth in their logo, hmm. but it is—it's um, a super beautiful translation. Like Copenhaver's translation is great, mm-hmm. uh, just in that it's—it's it's very scholarly and sure. very complete and mm-hmm. very accurate. But Solomon's translation is like written by a poet. Yeah, it's beautiful. When I do when I do work with the uh, Corpus Hermeticum, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the difference probably uh, between reading Elphus Levy and A. E. Wade. Yeah, you know Elphus Levy is just. Beautiful to read. It's just oh my god, this is wonderful. And then mm-hmm. you read A. E. Wait, and you're just like oh my god, this is painful. It's torture. Why but the thing is, myself? is that A. E. Yeah. Wait was really a magician, and Eliphas Levy was was an armchair poser. Was an armchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, he had a lot of good information there for mm-hmm. magicians, but he just wasn't really a magician himself. Right. Yeah. He was just pushing information. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. So so Larry. Uh, one of the things, one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on this podcast, mm-hmm. in addition to all the other cool stuff you've been sharing, is that you're probably our biggest fan. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. listen to all of our episodes right mm-hmm. when they come out, and you always ask me questions about them, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you have questions for us. Well, okay, that's a good, because I was thinking of one today as you guys, you know, you have alchemical in your, what does that represent? Um, mostly, uh, so what happened was uh, And you have three my in there, which means like, whose is it? all right so a long time ago uh last september um uh, when we recorded the first episode the weekend we recorded the Mm -hmm. first episode 
uh, Matt Anthony, the, the host who is not here with us today, although he super wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of us uh, were all in Seattle for the Esoteric Book Conference. Mm-hmm. And we went out to pizza, and we were talking about starting a podcast and uh, joking around about names. And we had tons of super horrible ideas, and we just stumbled across this super horrible pun. Because, you know, there's a band called My Chemical Romance. Right. It's like, your kids probably listen to sure. it. Sure. It's mm-hmm. way too, it's, it's music aimed at people younger than we sure. are. Sure, yeah. But when I, or whoever came up with the name, I think said, it was you. I think it might have been me. I was yeah. like, what about my alchemical bromance? <laughs> we all laughed so hard <laughs> that we um, immediately picked the name right there on the spot. So, uh, we just said yes. Yeah, we just said yes. So it's, it's mostly just a name that's a mm-hmm. pun. But I think also, you know, the my aspect. I think I might have been on mushrooms at the time. Though, yeah. So. I <laughs> am not going to admit to that. Mm-hmm. But it. We might all opening gateways. <laughs> <laughs> we were definitely eating pizza and drinking a ton of beer, and um, it had mushrooms on the pizza. So oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, there was a. I, I mean, I guess each of us brings a really unique aspect. You know, mm-hmm. all of us are totally different. We've got different backgrounds, different practices, different. Mm-hmm. Like we all, we've all gone through weird transformative stages in our life very mm-hmm. recently. You know, uh, you and. Matt, having just moved here, you went through, you know, Joey went through his, uh, his, uh, psycho hose beast phase. He wasn't the psycho hose beast, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he had one. Yeah. Um, which, which ended up like transforming Joey into this like super responsible dad figure. Oh yeah. Um, which was yeah, pretty it was fascinating. Act- it was actually the, the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt went from grumpy brewer to skinny hiker in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, which was a huge transformation. Like, like if you knew Matt, mm-hmm. Uh, 10 years ago, you wouldn't even recognize him today. He's mm. changed so much. First of all, you'd be like, hey, look, it's a smiling guy. He's smiling. He never smiled. He never smiled really? in Oklahoma. Mm. Um, uh, and then, I, you know, I mean, we, we, so we've all gone through a, a transformation that I guess is alchemical metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bromance is just because we all love each other so much. Gotcha. Yeah. Very, a, and the more you drink, the more you love each other. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it's the opposite. The more you drink, the more we like scowl. Yeah. Well, there's a midway point. Yeah, yeah. we love each other. Yeah. A lot. We have to hit the happy medium. The, the more they drink, the more we just start bickering like old. After you've had too much, you just start putting imaginary circles around the ones you'd like to kill. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one and that one. Yeah, I. Uh, th- so that was totally a um, backronym. No, back to Negredo. Yeah, back to Negredo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Fine. shoots and ladders. <laughs> just stay over here in Negredo for a while. That's yeah. right. Like maybe the rest of my life. Yeah. Party with the sinners instead of crying with the saints. Huh? Yeah. I'm I'm interesting. I'm interested mm. in experiencing more of the fermentation phase, though. I'm wondering if you've got any more beer in that fridge. I do. Yeah, well, I've got some. Uh, I've got some uh, total domination over. Oh, here. we still have overcast out. Yeah. Oh. Check it out. Here it is, right here. What's that? What's no. that? Uh, comatose. 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 <laughs> I don't know. All right, hey, you good, guys. Oh, good life's good. Guests or listeners out there, um, we're we uh, Larry's whipping up the good stuff. Good life, comatose imperial IPA, eight and a half ABV. Wow. So like it's got can't... a it's got a picture of Matt on the cover. See that? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> in his hammock? <laughs> you see the yeah. dude in a dude in a hammock. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got some here. Go All ahead, right. guys. 
Comatose. Oh, it's got that smell, that Imperial IPA smell, you know, where it's like the booze and the hops are like arguing with with each other. <laughs> they both want to get into your nose, so you get this sort of like super warm, malty nose that is, uh, it kind of smells sweet. Like you can mm-hmm. tell how it's going to taste when you sniff it. When you sniff it. Oh, yeah. Smells like you. Smells like my urine on Sunday mornings. Well, that's good. Yeah. No right for taking a big swig of this. <laughs> oh, it tastes like it too, Joey. Yeah. 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 Joey, this is, uh, that's really smooth. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's, Doesn't uh, taste like it, though. No. It's, like, it's like refreshing golden showers. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is... Uh, that is delicious. It's super delicious. It's not as... Um, Look how cloudy that is. I yeah. know. It's a, yeah. It's not as burly. The flavor isn't as burly as I thought. Like, it's got a lot of body, yeah. but it's not, like, kicking in the face with hops. Uh, and I feel like that there's a good balance so that the booze doesn't stand out too This strong. is one thing that Welch's has, is they have a great... The Thriftway up there uh-huh. has awesome beer selection. That's really? fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic beer selection. Well, maybe I'll... You know, once Portland kicks me out, maybe I'll come up there and move, oh, uh, yeah. live, live uh, in your old um, double-wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a manufactured house with uh with you know it's got vaulted ceilings and it's it's a nice I mean it's fifteen hundred square feet with a uh, garage and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's it it is that much that much less and it need a license plate basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've lived yeah. in worse I've lived yeah. in way worse yeah. <laughs> you gotta stay mobile but you know yeah. what it's you, paid for you gotta keep moving I like from the it. creek yeah yeah cool yeah no that's that's it that's the important thing really yeah I mean that that was the goal that. You and your wife set out yeah. to do. You yeah, live we, a life on your own terms. We work, you know. We, I I kind of kept her in an area where she really she's always loved Oregon. I I was born in Oregon, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was born in Lakeview. Holy crap! Really? Yeah. Did I know that? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't. I mean, nobody's really. I used to live down in that area. Oh, did I you? lived in I lived in um, yeah. Ashland and Medford and stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I spent an uncomfortable amount of time yeah. with you, like yeah. uh, <laughs> half an hour once, yeah. and an hour another time. Yeah. I. I was on a little tiny plane that flew into Lakeview once. Mm-hmm. Then we, then we <laughs> turned around and flew back. We yeah. like fueled up and got out. <laughs> got out of there. Um, uh, I have a friend who lives nearby whose whose name is Mayberg. Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, I'd love to be his neighbor. Mayberg. Mayberg's a woman. Her neighbor. Yeah, she's cool. Um, she uh, she came from Lakeview, and her dad had a used car dealership there. Um, and she used to drive a hearse around mm-hmm. Lakeview. Nice. Oh, I love really? it. It was a it was a recreational hearse and not a an operative hearse. It was a speculative and not an operative. Hearse. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> why, why a hearse? What's the story behind that? Well, they had a hearse at the used car dealership, and she's like, "Dad, I want that car." And he's like, "All right, you're driving a hearse now." That's kind of awesome. Strange goth daughter. <laughs> all all hearses have the potential to be operative. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I suppose that's true. As soon as you kill somebody, you're hauling yeah. them around. Yeah, we have more skulls in our house than probably anybody. In the Including room. more than Nate, you think? I, well. You guys should have a skull off. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, the wife likes skulls, too. If we include the entire household, yeah. I don't know. We might get a good drive. We might get yeah, yeah. So hold on a second. How, how, did, how in the world did you find a lady friend, life partner, best friend, like, Somebody that melds perfectly. Uh, we, the same way everybody else does, Joey. Instagram. <laughs> uh, uh, high school. We've been married for 31 years. Really? Oh, yeah. really? 31 years. Holy. Well, let's cheers to that. Yeah. That yeah. Is, Good job, Larry. Yeah, well, that is a success story. You don't... Well, I don't hear often just because it 
You know, the thing is, is that and this is probably going to get a lot of hate mail from you guys, for you guys, but we can cut it. Um, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, my, you know, my, my <laughs> wife is just completely and utterly not the feminist kind of, I mean, she worked because she wanted to work, mm-hmm. not because she had to work, but, um, but I mean, she basically takes care of me and I take care of everything else. She, she told me the other day, to give you a perfect example, she told me the other day, to tell you the lines that are kind of like, this is my area, this is your area. She, I was, I was looking for a shirt. She goes, it's in the dryer. So I go in there to the laundry room, and I had to call her in there because both the, both of them look the same. I don't know which one's which. Larry, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they both look exactly alike. I was like, which one of these is the dryer? I don't I think know. That, <laughs> I think that just uh, shows that you're a little disconnected from the Maybe. material world, perhaps. Probably, probably. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've never washed my own clothes ever. <laughs> I've never, I've never lost my clothes. Ah, what an awesome man. wife. Yeah. But I'm sure there are lots of but other But she things. doesn't, she's never had to worry about a bill being paid. She's never had to, she just worries about the house and taking care of, and the kid, and you know, kids yeah. and our grandkids, because we have three grandkids. Are you guys um, wait, how do you have three grandkids? Deb doesn't have any kids. Uh, Corey does. Corey has oh. three kids. Yeah. I have oh. uh, nine, uh, seven, and a four. So I think that's, I think that's, yeah. That, that's totally three Three. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to remember their ages. Uh-huh. I'm getting old. Okay, sh- You are not. <laughs> so get you, you in trouble. Say that you're getting old. You're, <laughs> only, you're only a little older than I am. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, no, we have. I mean, those lines are, are, are drawn, and we don't really. I mean, we take care of each other in that way. So. Well, I'm probably one of the worst uh, people at relationships mm-hmm. around, aside from Nate. And um, <laughs> uh, but it sounds the worst relationships. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like. Uh, when you enter into a long-term relationship, you you have to decide the form and shape that it's going to take. Yeah. And if that's the deal that works out for you guys, and mm-hmm. then I don't think that it should get us any hate mail, and yeah. I'm not going to cut that part at okay. all. Yeah. So fuck you, post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she. I think she would say the same thing that mm-hmm. she enjoys being able to take care of us, and 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 I think she would she she would call herself a, uh, a kitchen witch. Mm-hmm. Where she is trying to infuse positive energies into food and into tinctures and into things to heal individuals, to right. make people's lives better. And that's actually something that's been proven, is the mm-hmm. idea of the person who's making this, mm-hmm. this sustenance for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the intention that they're putting into it actually comes through yeah. in the food. So they, uh, they did a study where they had professional chefs make a dish, mm-hmm. and they had people's moms make a dish. Mm-hmm. And then they did an analysis of how many nutrients were absorbed by the individual who was taking it in. And it actually was proven that by being made by their own mother, they actually absorb more nutrients from the same exact dish. Mm-hmm. Is that why brunch at Sea Bar is more delicious? Is yes, it because, because the people who work there are us? working in the kitchen? <laughs> for, for, example, for example, we don't buy bread. She makes homemade bread every three days. Oh, every man. Three days she, uh, yesterday, she was making butter. You make homemade butter. Are you serious? Larry, will you, will you adopt me? <laughs> I've always wanted to have... This morning for breakfast, I had biscuits and gravy, uh, fried potatoes, and, and fried eggs. That's our normal. That's pretty much... She's making something like that every... You know, and you can, uh, that's you, wonderful. You know, and that's every morning. And then then in the evening, she'll wait for me to call on the drive home. What time are you driving home? And she'll, she'll make... And, you know, for me, it's about, you know, taking care of business, making sure that she doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. When it comes time where she needs something, mm-hmm. she, you know, she'll let me know. And 
you take care you of get, it. You get you two are beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's precious. No, it's it is. <laughs> well, you've totally just made no. the whole internet jealous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's gorgeous. She really is. I'm even, not just even, saying that. Even better. I believe you. Yeah, she is. Um, can you? So, do you have any more questions for us that aren't about your wife? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I'm really good at sidetracking yeah. things. Yeah. Um, well, what what got you interested in doing a, a podcast to begin with? I wasn't interested in doing a podcast to begin with. Uh, Matt, um, along with two other Freemasons, had a Masonic podcast. Yeah. And I was extremely happy with how stuff was going with Esoterica. And I was talking to him one day, and I was like, and he was sort of complaining that they were. There's so many Masonic podcasts, right? Oh yeah, and, there's and, tons. and they and they have incredible. And they're good coverage. too. I mean, they're yeah, really, there's some really incredible yeah. ones. And I think he was getting a little frustrated with his Masonic podcast, which is a laudable. It's called a laudable pursuit. Um, yeah. For those of you, I thought that was a great one too. Yeah, it's only got like eight episodes. I know, but it was really good. Oh, they're not so good. I agree. I don't think I don't know. They haven't published. I mean, I know well Matt's not, but I just thought that just had to do. The no, it, there's a complicated backstory that I'm not. I don't know this the history of, so I'm, I shouldn't get I'm into it. All right, good job. Yeah, oh, right. oh yeah, she is gorgeous. Whew. Yeah, Larry's <laughs> wife is hot. There'll be a picture in the show notes. <laughs> <There will be>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so I was talking to him, and I was like, uh, "We should do a podcast, mm-hmm. Matt." And I probably just used the wrong words. I was just intending to be a guest on his podcast. I, I just wanted you. to be like, mm-hmm. "You guys should interview me about esoterica because sure. our lodge is." Is incredible. It is, yeah. And we're doing great work, and mm-hmm. we're, you know, the stuff that we're doing is changing Freemasonry in Oregon. I agree. Um, and he totally just heard it wrong, and he was like, "Oh, we could do a podcast about beer and the occult." And I was like, <laughs> "That's not exactly sound what I like said. a Freemasonry episode <laughs> at all." <laughs> so, uh, so that's really what happened. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of got—I've never been—I'm like I say over and over again on the podcast. I'm horrible at listening to podcasts. Mm. Like, I don't listen to him as much as... Um, You're not as bad as I am. But when you got to drive an hour and a half here and an hour and a half back, you get a lot of podcasts in there. Well, you know, yeah. uh, I don't even have a car. Yeah. And I hate riding the bus with uh, listening to stuff because I don't like knowing... I don't like yeah. the loss of situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't walk around listening to music. So I ha- and, and my work is, you know, I'm a writer, mm-hmm. so I can't um, listen to people talk while I'm trying to write. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so mostly I listen to podcasts. Uh, there has to be like downtime for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm really bad at listening to them. So I was never. I, I'm. I'm st- I still feel super green at podcasting, but mm-hmm. uh, I really started to enjoy the process of like editing and putting them together and recording conversations is really fascinating, and it gives you an excuse to like sit down and have talks like this with people that you always want to have talks with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great excuse. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's great, you know, the, the community we live in, um, just, you know, Esoterica, Portland in general, like the people around here, um, we barely, we don't even really need to go outside of our circle of friends to find awesome podcast guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple times, right? Like we've got, we've got Chuck in, who is, uh, he's still our circle of friends. Yeah, he's still he should be an honorary member of our circle. Yeah, well, he's, a, <laughs> he's an actual member of our circle of friends. Well, I mean, um, he should be an honorary member of Esoterica's <laughs> circle. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then you know I, I had a chat with a Value Tiger on an episode uh, recently also, but but mostly we've only been interviewing people that are friends of ours, and most well, of them I've, I've I've got a couple other things lined out for us that we'll talk about later. All right, that cool, are interesting. Cool. Okay, it's gonna be fun. Actually, we might see him at Seabar. 
Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it's all it's all been like circles of friends, and, and probably ninety five percent of them have been Masons. Yeah, yeah. Even if well, they aren't regular Masons. That's something masons. super exciting about this episode is, as the sitting master of Esoterica, everybody sitting in the room presently is a. Oh, it doesn't matter. This is not a Masonic. It's not a podcast. Masonic podcast. Thing, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Either way, here's to Esoterica. Here's to yeah. yeah, to Esoterica. Bringing it all together. Um, so, so the podcast, the podcast thing, really, the baby of it all, may sound a little bit ridiculous, but like the Joe Rogan podcast, mm-hmm. that had a huge influence on both Matt and I. As oh, far really? as yeah, because it, it's a super long podcast. It's like two or three hours. Long. Oh yeah, I've tried to watch it or listen to it. Yeah, because it's a it video, does a video cast too. as well. Yeah, that's but, easier for me to do because you know. I'm watching something. Yeah. So I'm not watching something. I always pick up a book. Yeah. <laughs> Your wander. I. Not, that's not bad. That's why I like listening to them when I drive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good time too, and it's like today it'll be three hours if I get to listen to something for three hours. Yeah. Uh, our latest. You you said you already listened to our latest episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to them as soon as they come out. It pops up on my. That's one of the first. Dang. Things Bing. Yeah. What's your favorite so far? Oh, let's see. I I really like the one on divination. I'm going like. Dang, I really wish that I was part of that that uh, one on the on divination because you really kind of glossed over scrying. Well, pretty quickly. Yeah, let's talk about that because you were pretty, talking about the fact that you. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, probably out of all of the divination that I've done, scrying has been the only one that's really worked for well for me. Really? So yeah. Is that something that you and your wife do together? No, no, it? no. We have separate practices. Oh, for so sure. you do that by yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have, like I said, a thirteen-inch. Um, it's polished obsidian. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Post. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you, uh, even though please. I, even though I, <laughs> I've got a 13 inch. Please. <laughs> That's how I've been married 31 years. <laughs> um, I knew it. Um, but um, I'm going to be honest with you. The best thing that I have used would be, is is an iPad. The, right, the, the black, reflection the from that iPad works phenomenally. Really? Phenomenally. I, I, I still use predominantly just because I paid so much for it. I feel like i got to use it. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, Obsidian Mirror, but the reflective... And, and really, this what type of scrying... What happens if you get a notification? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's usually it's usually from, from the yeah, other side. <laughs> um, the thing that I really see that scrying is like is I think that you would be be probably familiar with it is like writing. Mm-hmm. If I'm writing something, particularly fiction, it's almost like I kind of fall into the page and I even forget that I'm that I'm writing. It's mm-hmm. just you know what I'm saying. And that's the way this scrying is. It just kind of that 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 black space opens up and you go into it. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be some times where it's just, I mean, I don't understand it at all, you know, but it's mm-hmm. just, I'll just be in a desert area and I'll just, you know, see wind blowing dust or, you know, well, I but think there's pro- something that just opens up and you're just in a different place. I think part of the reason that we've lost over scrying mm-hmm. is that uh, I'm, I feel really new with it. You mm-hmm. know, I, uh, it's only in the last couple of years that I've really started to have success with scrying, mm-hmm. but my divination experience, you know, using, mm-hmm. you know, cartomancy in particular, mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing for a long time, and I've been really, really into. Um, and I know that there are ways that you can use tarot cards for scrying, you know, such as mm-hmm. like with path working or things yeah. like that. But um, 
But divination. I feel like if I'm getting a picture of something already that is trying to put something into, where if I'm looking at a black something that's just black and it's open to me, mm -hmm. it it feels. It, I mean, this is the. I think that I get too influenced by the pictures on tarot cards that it's trying to tell that it's trying to tell me other than something just opening up and. Yeah, you know that's saying? the point, though. I mean, that's why you would use a tarot I agree. card. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, just, but, uh, but, you know, like, I just recently started doing, um, uh, not just scrying, but, but like, working with the, the grimoire magic and crystal mm -hmm. ball stuff and, mm -hmm. like, summoning spirits with their crystal. Sure. Uh, Trithenia style, mm -hmm. uh, which is totally the same technique as scrying in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, you enter into a very similar kind of trance. Yeah. You end up having a very similar kind of experience staring into something. Um, and you remember, like, uh, a few years ago, I gave you and Matt, other Matt, not, not Matt Anthony, uh, Black mm -hmm. Mirrors. Mm -hmm. They were too small, but, but, um... Black Mirror. Black Mirror. But, yeah, um, iPads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got an old tablet that doesn't work anymore. I'm totally the next, the, the best magical tool in your toolkit. <laughs> Do you think Steve Jobs did that on purpose? I don't, you know, no. I don't know, but it works. It, it just seems to have a great reflective, uh, you know, and that's what you're really looking for, whether you're staring into a bowl of wine or you're staring into... The thing that you do. Bowl of wine. Why would you take time to stare into a bowl of wine? Well, you Doesn't just the straw get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have some candles in the forefront of it. Yeah. You know what I mean. And so the thing is, is that things are go out of. You see your face in there, and then things go out of focus, and then they come. Things come back, and what is in that is no longer you. That's mm -hmm. something else that's in that. And then if, as you get, it's just like anything else, the more you practice this, the more images that start taking place where it's almost like you're watching a, a movie, almost, kind of. Where and it's a, that's the, and the really fascinating thing about mm -hmm. it is, and, and I feel like um, people who don't practice magic and mm -hmm. don't do any of these techniques, they, they don't understand, like, the power of the, of this, of spirit vision, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we, we... Imagination. It's it's mm -hmm. it's, it's totally exact. It it works in imagination. You know, spirit it's fake. It just means you're exactly um, creative abilities. We we live in a society that has uh, castrated. It, we've you know, we've experienced a total censorship of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So so we we discount it so much. But like, I remember the first time scrying in a crystal ball worked for me, mm -hmm. where. I went to the tran. I had my recorder set up and I recorded my. So I I talked about what I was seeing. I talked about the entire experience that was going on, and um, and my memory of it is is more real than the feeling of it happening at the time, mm -hmm. right? Like I have two memories overlaying, one of which is rich and filled with like symbolism and imagery, and the other one is like a crystal ball that I'm staring into, where all of us. It, it's it's <laughs> very difficult to describe. Mm -hmm. um, I know exactly what you're talking about. To, put it to me, words. it's yeah, exactly absolutely. like an, uh, an evocation to me. Oh, yeah. Where I'm evoking something, and uh, we talked a little bit about this on our Grimoire talk, but for me, it's a lot like tuning a radio. Sometimes I just get gibberish mm -hmm. where I, I'm hearing stuff, but it's just. And right. then, you know, sometimes it gets tuned in and it's just there, and then I'm getting. But one of the things that I find is that these entities will find a way to get me the information even if they can't seem to because I'm not on the you know but I would say the vibratory level that they're at they're just mm -hmm. we're just not in tune but they tend to find a way to get the information to me for for example uh, about three years ago I was in this and I was doing one of these evocations and I'm 
I'm basically talking to this spirit and asking, like, I, I need to know my path. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to go here. There's just tons and tons of ways to go. Is it is it golden dawn work? Is it is it you know witchcraft? Is it what is my path? You know, mm -hmm. I need to know that. It all seems so interesting to me. I'm one of those type of people that opens it up and just like this is awesome. You, you know what I mean? Every mm -hmm. piece. Yeah, I just want it all. You know, and I but I need to be disciplined. And I need some help in this discipline. So I'm like, you know, and I'm getting this. You know, and then about two days later, I'm pulling up behind a stoplight, and on the back of the license plate, it read alchemy. <laughs> I have a picture of it. I have a picture of it on here, right? I took a picture of it. Click. It'll See be in up. the show notes. Synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It happens. So okay. they will find a way to tell you even if they because they want to communicate. It's I, just uh No, and sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes no. it just yeah. you know, mm -hmm. maybe it takes a few days, maybe it takes mm -hmm. a few months, a few years, depending on, on what the message is, but when it happens, yeah. It's powerful. It is. That and, was and you know like you feel it in yeah. your balls when it happens. Yes. Yeah. I think that was a good story to wrap up our our, our episode with too. I liked it. That was, that was but perfect. um are you, so, are you gonna come out the balls part? Uh, no, no. I'm going to add more balls. <laughs> more balls. Yeah. Um, Larry, would you uh, tell our audience about your websites and things? Yeah. Um, we Miskatonic Books, um, www.miskatonicbooks.com. Yeah, you can uh, find us there. We, we carry all of uh, the current um, occult titles that are being published, uh, you know, in the modern. We don't really have a lot of... Um, of the older stuff, we try to keep it to the modern stuff that's coming out. So, you know, stuff that's been published within the last decade, you'll find on Miskatonic Books, and we appreciate it if you'll stop by and check us out. And then Azoth Press? Azoth Press, yeah. You can go to azothpress.com. You'll uh, see the books that we have. Most of them uh, tend to sell out pretty quickly, so there's not a whole lot that is currently available. However, we do have Liber Spiritum, or Liber Spiritum, uh, that is... Still available. We have about probably 40 copies of that left, and that'll be sold out. And then we also have probably out of a thousand, we have a couple hundred left of the Frater Austin Chasson's Gateways Through Light and Shadow. And I can Which tell you, incredible. It's yeah. it is, and it is a tome. It is about 800 pages. Yes, yeah. huge. It'll hold up a three-legged table. Yeah, uh, there is <laughs> there is a hundred illustrations in it. Yeah, so it's it gorgeous. Is filled with illustrations. It took an enormous amount of effort to put it together and I am I, I think from a modern grimoire perspective it is going to be a classic and I'm, oh, I'm yeah. happy to be part of it absolutely so, so are you gonna are you gonna let us work your booth at the esoteric book conference yeah you know the if it ever yeah. happens yeah um you know the <laughs> thing is, is that I have but we'll have to get a hold of them and yeah. you know, push this thing along I sell books every day so mm -hmm. I get up and sell books and you know and I love them I love you know to me that they're to me, the type of books we sell are, are talismans in and of themselves. The, your life yes. is better just by having yeah. them in your presence. Mm -hmm. And to go to one of these kind of conventions where I don't get to go and mingle and talk, you know, and get to sell books, which I do every day. But if I got some people that are prepared to sit behind the booth and do what I do every day for me, then I'm prepared to go. I'll My alchemical bromance is prepared to make your booth. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Where I, I don't, go I don't sell books. I sell landscaping, but yeah. I would love to sell books. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't sell anything. <laughs> I would totally nerd out on books for you. Yeah, yeah. so if yeah. I could have some help in the booth rather than have to do the same thing I do every day, then because we've, we've been asked to go a couple times, mm -hmm. you know, uh, William is a good bud of mine, and 
And he oh, wants so us you there. Can, you can talk to him and see if it's happening. Oh, yeah. We'll do it. No, he's already... I, I know it's happening. It's happening. Well, we don't know the date. Well, okay, I'll get the date for you. Nobody's announced it. No, no, we'll get it. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Uh, all right, and we are cool. My Alchemical Bromance, and you can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and every single podcast thing that exists in the world at this moment, uh, and maybe a few that don't. You can even find us in your dreams. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And, um, if you're using a scrying mirror. Right? <laughs> you have to cuddle with it. You, you, you have cuddling to, you, you, do have to use, you have to use an iPad. Right? Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, so uh, tune in next time. We'll be talking about Descartes. Descartes? Yeah. Pagato Ergo Sum. Yeah. Yahtzee. Yahtzee. I'm not going to